All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by my good friend and fellow Falcon fan, Steve Cohen, a contributor to the Falcoholic. Today is the first of hopefully many fan talk episodes, even though Steve is technically not just your typical fan, but we'll chat about the Falcons and any other topics that Steve wants to talk about. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, so, th- you know, I appreciate you coming on, Steve. You're, you're the first of many. Uh, I always sort of planned on when I was talking about this coming off of the draft in terms of trying to find topics to fill this daytime in the summer. I was like, oh, I'll talk to fans. And definitely one of those people is going to be Steve because I haven't talked to you in a while. You haven't been on the podcast in almost like 18 months, I think, since the end of the 2015 season. So. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've talked to you in other avenues, but not necessarily on a podcast. So this will be a good way of uh, catching up, and uh, you can uh, fill us in and the listeners in into uh, whatever you've been up to since uh, December of 2015. <laughs> well, you know, the I, I mean, you know, certainly compared to, uh, you know, the end of 2015, I mean, uh, 2016 was quite a ride, right? Certainly, uh, certainly didn't see that coming, and... Uh, you know, certainly a lot of positives to take out of uh, 2016, notwithstanding how it ended. Um, but, uh, but yeah, certainly uh, the team exceeded my expe- expectations far and away through, uh, through 2016. I, I, was, I was pretty, uh, you know, I had pretty modest expectations. It kind of took me a while to, uh, to buy into the, the team uh, totally, even, even towards the end of the season there. Um, and just didn't, didn't see that offensive explosion coming, even though, I was uh, I, I I did like the Kyle Shanahan hiring originally, but you know so much went wrong in 2015. I was I kind of t- had my expectations tempered coming into 2016, and then uh, you know just every everything clicked for for uh, a while there <laughs> up until the very end again. And speaking of that very end, uh, how how are you you dealing with that now? We're almost five months removed, or pretty much five months removed as we're recording this. Uh, in in early July, um, have have you have you been able to overcome the way it ended? Um, I know some people still have uh, lingering resentment over that. How, how, how have you moved on? If if you have, you know, I think without having football on to some degree, I think you know, like because there was definitely a while there where I was like, you know what, every day I'm gonna, you know, there's not gonna be a day that goes by where I don't think about this and. I've kind of moved past that point. I think there are days where, you know, like I don't think about the Super Bowl, which is which is good. But, I, you know, I'm worried that like once training camp comes and football is more a day-to-day thing, it's just going to be like constant. Like I feel like every Falcons game that's going to happen, it's going to be brought up, you know, and every time the Falcons have a lead, you know, the announcers are going to be like, well, the Falcons are, you know, look like in good shape, but uh, don't don't forget, you know, we've said that before, you know, <laughs> stupid crap like that. Yeah. And, you know, on top of like all the, you know, every opponent we uh, we face, you know, I'm ready for like, you know, 28-3 references and all that stuff, you know, all season. So it's like, you know, at this point, yeah, like I feel like, you know, I'm in, I'm in a pretty good place, certainly. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of, of crap that, uh, you know, Falcons fans have to deal with, you know, on social media and and all that, you know, I think once training camp starts all, all through the season and, you know, it's it's kind of a tough spot for the team because it's almost like, you know, uh, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, you kind of laugh off the Super Bowl or bust idea. But it's like, 
you know, there's it's it's hard to really get past uh, get past what happened in the Super Bowl without you know taking that next step. There's not really much much else that they could do. Yeah, I get you. I I I agree a hundred percent on that. I do feel like it's going to be if you haven't if you've been getting over it by avoiding it um, these last five months, it's it's going to rear its ugly head once actual football talks uh, actual football starts. And uh, we get to hear people start talking about the Falcons. I, I don't think this is a loss that you're going to uh, forget anytime soon. And I don't think, uh, certainly the national media, I don't think it's going to do, you know, I sound like a Trump supporter talking about the national media, I guess. But it, it, it is one of those things where it's like, I, you know, as far as what people at NFL Network and ESPN, you know, they don't care about the Falcons to a certain extent. That's one of the reasons why I think we have, Generally speaking, as a fan base, we tend to have a chip on our shoulder, and uh, they tend to sort of go to the easy, the low-hanging fruit when they want to describe this team. So when things are going well, they, they talk about how amazing they are, but when things don't go well, it's like, oh, same old Falcons. So uh, I, I think people need to be prepared for that. I think the benefit of doing this podcast, if, if there is any, was having to have to record that rapid reaction right after the Super Bowl. So I had to sort of fast-track my uh, emotional, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, to, to try to get over that game. And then Alan and I having to break down the All-22 and having to rewatch the game multiple times during, during that week thereafter. I think we're a little bit ahead of the curve, but it certainly is going to be a little bit, uh, at the very least, annoying, if, if not downright, um, you know, infuriating to uh, listen to have to have to people doing preseason games talking about 28 to three and whatnot. Uh, hopefully we'll get some people like Charles Davis who will uh, call the games and not necessarily be as uh, annoying as other people might be if, if they call those games. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to get used to it. I mean, I think to some degree, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm reminded of like, you know, when, when the bills lost the, the Super Bowl, and I feel like, you know, there was a lot of, you know, kind of, compassion to some degree like a lot of you know other a lot of the media kind of like you know kind of like uh push push for the bills mm-hmm. to some degree just because like you know they kind of fell for them and you, you kind of sense that a little bit but they're you know you know the people on social media you know other teams fans and you know you know announcers are, or you know people are going to take their digs and you know yeah it's, it's just going to happen and you know it's i think even if the falcons you know do do wind up winning the Super Bowl, it's still, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's just going to be, you know, something that, uh, you know, we, we remember the rest of our lives. It's just like, uh, you know, a, just a low point of, uh, of being a Falcons fan. You know, it's just, you know, it's that, that kind of thing happening on the biggest stage. You know, you, you just can't, you just can't get, can't, can't do much about that. And, you know, you could point to so many points in the game that, you know, so many situations that, you know, if something different had happened, you know, uh, you know, they, they'd have won. There was just like, you know, it, it, getting getting those two two-point conversions, you know, um, Devontae missing the block, you know, so many, so many different things you can, you can point to there um, and just at all. And, and I mean, you know, the Patriots just played lights out, you know, when they needed it most, you know, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people want to talk about the Falcons choking, but, you know, New England really raised their level of play at the end. And, you know, you kind of, that's kind of part of it too. So, so can you yeah, so, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are listening to this like, oh, my God, why are they talking about the Super Bowl? I, I'm not over it. Um, so we'll, we'll move on, and let's talk a little bit more about the offseason. And, uh, you know, to put one last point on, on what you were saying, Steve, I, I do think if the Falcons 
have success in, in 2017, it will mitigate some of that discussion to a certain extent. And I guess I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the offseason, a relatively chill offseason in terms of making some major moves? I think maybe some people thought, given the way the Super Bowl ended, maybe the team would be a little bit more aggressive in their approach to sort of attack some of the weaknesses on the roster. Not really the case. It was basically Jack Crawford and Don Terry Poe were their big free agent acquisitions. And, uh, you know, they were basically waiting to invest in the draft and trading up to Tack McKinley. They probably didn't get sort of the quantity from the draft that they probably could have gotten, at least in the early part of the draft. They wound up trading uh, back uh, to get some uh, day three picks uh, and sort of fill in their depth. So I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts to how the Falcons handled this offseason? Do you approve? Thumbs up, you know, letter grade, whatever you, however you want to describe it. What, what are your thoughts on the Falcons offseason? Yeah, I mean, I didn't find anything they did so surprising. I wasn't, I was, there were, you know, the, the way they kind of signaled things, it didn't seem like they were going to make, you know, necessarily a big splash. I'd say if anything, you know, our expectations were kind of tempered and then, you know, then they went out and signed Don Terry Poe. So everyone was like, oh, great. We, you know, we got like a, you know, a big, a, basically a big name player. And, you know, there was definitely a big possibility that wasn't going to happen at all. So, um, so that, that was, that was certainly nice. At least, you know, Don Ter- the Don Terry Poe signing was, you know, something we could point to as like, okay, that, that is definitely an upgrade on paper. Um, whereas before that it was more, you know, modest, you know, Jack Crawford and Andre Roberts and, you know, and, you know, resigning some guys here and there. And, you know, uh, aside, you know, basically I think the, the big one in the early going was, uh, you know, I think everyone was hoping, uh, obviously yourself included, that uh, Patrick DeMarco would come back. And, uh, you know, it was disappointing that that ended up not happening, especially because, you know, at the same time, you know, the money they gave Shab and Toy Lolo, um, you know, it's like, really, really, those guys are worth that, but we <laughs> yeah. couldn't find a way to keep DeMarco. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's like, it's one of those things that's like, you know, if the team, if the offense plays well next season, you know, we're, we're not really going to, you know, it, we're, it's not really going to matter that much. You know, it's it's the thing. It's like if if Devontae Freeman, you know, if, if his yards per carry drop off a ton, then we're going to be like, oh, the team was so stupid for letting Patrick DeMarco go. But there's a pretty decent chance that the offense is still going to be pretty good. The running backs are still going to be, you know, doing very well. And, you know, a year from now, we're going to be like, why why did we care about Patrick DeMarco so much? Like, you know, it's it's one of the it could be one of those forgettable things. So. I don't know. I, I try not to like, you know, go nuts in March or April about about something to do. I could I could see I could see it going either way, honestly. And I mean, the, I guess the, one of the big things about Demarco is that there's not an obvious um, solution. They, I mean, they I know they brought in Derek Coleman, but you know, he's kind of I think he's getting veteran minimum. I don't think they gave him the signing bonus, so like it's not exactly like he's a lock to make the roster. Although he's certainly the favorite. And, you know, it's not like, you know, he's been playing top-level football recent, uh, top-level fullback recently. So, you know, that's, that's I guess, the main thing is it's like, okay, we could there's, – there's a possibility here we're going from, like, top-notch fullback play, best in the league, to, like, you know, not having a fullback, basically avoiding, uh, you know, uh, formations with fullbacks or something because yeah. we just don't have, you know, that, uh, that capability on the roster. So, you know, that – you know, conceivably that could be a problem. And, you know, they really, they really did utilize DeMarco, you know, very, very well. Uh, um, uh, Doug Farrar wrote a piece today. I think he put it out today where uh, about like all the pre snap motion that the Falcons utilized last season. 
and, you know, mentioned, you know, the amount of times like DeMarco would just like motion out wide and how he'd be utilized as a receiver and how it was, you know, really neat the way they, they utilize motion. And, you know, certainly watching the Falcons a lot, certainly got a, got a good taste of that. So, you know, obviously now they're Sarkeesian. So, you know, maybe they brought in Sarkeesian and Sarkeesian's like, well, you know, like I kind of have this vision for the offense. And everyone's like, yeah, OK. And so it's just like, yeah, hey, we can't justify paying DeMarco anything. You know, I don't know. You know, obviously, you know, we're not, you know, in, in, in those uh, closed door meetings. So, uh, you know, all, all we can see is the end result. Clearly, they, you know, had their number or just decided it wasn't worth uh, resigning to Marco. It would have been nice if, uh, you know, the numbers would have worked out that they could have gotten at least the compensatory pick for losing it. But that doesn't look likely either. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's a long time on, on Patrick Marco. I guess uh, in terms of the, the draft, um, it made a lot of sense. I mean, certainly. I think the only position at the time that surprised me was uh, Duke Riley. And I guess to me, it kind of signaled that maybe um, Devondre, like maybe temper expectations a bit for Devondre Campbell. You know, I, I, I guess before that pick, I was kind of thinking like, oh, this guy's going to be like an, an every down player. And they really think like he's going to be, you know, him and uh, Deion Jones will be like the long-term starters there. And I don't know if the Riley pick kind of makes me think like, oh, you know, maybe maybe they don't necessarily think, you know, Devondre Campbell has the world of potential that maybe I was hoping they do. I, I, I'm not sure how, if, if if I'm overreading the selection and it's just like, you know, oh, we, we, we really like LSU linebackers. Deion Jones worked out really well. And Duke Riley, you know, I don't know, maybe they had a top 50 grade on him and he's sitting on the board in the third round. And they're like, hey, we can't pass up this kind of talent. So. You know, the more the merrier, and, you know, we'll play three linebackers a lot anyway, so we'll get all these guys in the field. Um, so uh, there was that. Tack McKinley wasn't a guy I was really focused on necessarily. I, I don't know, I, maybe because of the injury, we were like, we were we had different uh, pass rushers in mind, or, um, you know, we're also thinking about offensive linemen, so I hadn't, you know, really thought too much about him. So, uh, but position-wise certainly makes sense, and hopefully – you know, hopefully it's not an injury that's going to keep him from really producing year one. Um, and the rest of the draft really, you know, you, I mean, all, all those picks made logical sense. I mean, all the, the, all the fifth round picks, it was all, you know, players who, who you think, who I would think could fit into the roster and contribute, you know, uh, within, you know, the next few years, hopefully. Um, certainly Harlow made a lot of sense from uh, uh, for offensive line depth. And, uh, and yeah, so... Yeah, I think I think the off se- off season you know made sense. I, I wasn't ex- expecting a ton of splashes, and you know um, I, I I think uh, you know they're they're in good shape going into the season. Okay, all right. Um, I don't know if I have a lot to follow up other than just saying yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, I do want to ask you one more question, but I do also want to let the listeners know that buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events, and with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used the SeatGeek app to look at tickets uh, to the Pitt-Duke football game here in North Carolina later this 
season in October. I just typed in Pitt Duke and there it was, ready and waiting with a plethora of options available for me to explore. I tend to be a little bit hesitant when it comes to purchasing tickets, but I know with SeatGeek on my side, I'm just a few taps away if and when I finally make the decision to pull the trigger on those tickets. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get your most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONFL today. That's promo code LONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right. So, Steve, uh, you, you filled us in on your thoughts on the offseason. And, uh, you know, I could sit here and be like, I'm still not over the DeMarco uh, departure, <laughs> which I'm not. I- I know you're not. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm more upset about that than the Super Bowl. Like, you know, the, uh, like the Super Bowl is one of those things where it's like I that was not necessarily fully in our control, even though I know it was. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where, like, I can't re- control the results of that. But I feel like the Falcons definitely had a hundred percent ability to control the, the the potential departure of DeBarco. And so, for me, it's just like the hope. The only thing that makes sense to me is is the Falcons deciding to get Taylor Gabriel more uh, reps in his absence. And it sort of clears the way for Gabriel to be a bigger part of the offense, which they sort of shifted towards down the stretch uh, during the regular season, especially in the postseason, being more of a three wide receiver offense. Because otherwise it just doesn't make any sense why you would prefer to go to a more two tight end offense with Levine Toilolo um, over Patrick DeMarco, who, you know, no offense to Levine Toilolo, but even if Sarkeesian prefers a two tight end offense, there's no way that he prefers Levine Toilolo over Patrick DeMarco. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. And, and if, if Gabriel sort of makes the play plays like he did last year, it, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't, I don't think people are going to be missing DeMarco too much. The question is going to be whether or not um, the run game is going to be, you know, sort of being able to stay on track, which it should. And I, I, you know, I don't expect a huge amount of drop off, but I guess the concern would be, I guess, if there's if the Falcons don't have the health that they had last year on their offensive line, you have a little bit less of a margin for error because you're not going to have, you know, Demarco back there sort of helping out if if there's a hole on on up front, which wasn't really the case last year. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I'll, anytime you bring up DeMarco, I, I can go. So I'll just let that <laughs> one go and sort of just move on towards what are your expectations for this season? I know you mentioned before sort of the Super Bowl or bus mentality. Are, are you in that frame of mind? Are you trying not to be in that frame of mind? I, I, I know it for me personally, the Super Bowl or bus mentality, I think, is sort of detrimental in the in the big picture. Obviously, if the Falcons do wind up going into the Super Bowl, I'm not going to complain about it, but I just, at this point in time, I just don't feel how bringing those expectations into the season is going to be beneficial in any way, uh, shape, or form. So I'm curious, what are your expectations for this year? Um, 
You know, I, I do think that, you know, based on what we saw last year and based on where the roster stands now, you know, assuming the team can stay relatively healthy, I, you know, I, I certainly think it's reasonable to expect a division win, you know, so, uh, you know, something something in the, you know, 11 to 12 win range, I certainly think, you know, is a fair expectation, you know, assuming good health, I, you know, I do think I do think the division, you know, could very well be tough. You know, it's it's hard when you're in division with, you know, uh, with Drew Brees and Cam Newton and even uh, and even Jameis, who you know can you know can win games on their own, you know, if they're if they're on, and to put to have you know six six games, um, you know, against that trio, I, you know, I think it's it's hard to it's hard to count on you know winding up six and zero, oh, you know. It, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe five and one, or even you know four and two. Even if, even if the Falcons are, are really good, and the problem is you can never take division games for granted in the NFL, no matter how good you are. Um, and you know, there, there's some uh, there's some uh, you know tough games on on the schedule this year. Um, but uh, you know, I think you know I, I thought last year you know having having those West Coast trips were, were tough. I mean, fortunately, you know, some teams turned out to be not as not as good as. Uh, Maybe we'd feel like the, having the uh, the Rams game and the 49ers game, I guess, later in the year was was nice. Um, you know, so so there there were some gimmies there, but I always feel like it's tough for when a team has to do so much uh, West Coast traveling in a season. So I almost felt like you know they their 11, 11 win season was like more like uh, you know maybe, maybe you know they 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 lost an extra game or something because you know the of jet lag issues which teams tend to tend to have when they're doing when they're doing trips like that. So you know, I think you know it's a, it's certainly a very strong roster. I mean, you know, look, I mean they uh, they really came out dominant against you know in their in their first two playoff games, um, and you know obviously you know went 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 to the wire you know in the Super Bowl. So uh, you know it's it's a really strong roster. It's really amazing how how much this roster is rebounded from the from the depths of uh, the towards the end of Mike Smith era, where they have one of the least talented rosters in, in the league. But you know now you know almost, you know almost every position you feel pretty good about on paper. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, coming into the season with expectations of, you know, 11, 12 win division winning team and, you know, the hope, you know, if they have a home game, home games in the playoffs, then, you know, why not, you know, with the new stadium, you know, uh, you know, have, have a big home field advantage and, uh, you know, get, get back to the Super Bowl. I think that's, that's perfectly reasonable. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not going to, you know, uh, come back and say, oh, well, they, uh, they, uh, you know, lost, you know, deep in the playoffs. And, you know, so the, the whole season's a failure, uh, you know, it's sitting here now, I, I, I can't say that, you know, there's only, there's only so much you can control uh, in uh, at this time. And, you know, injuries are going to happen, you know, something we, we never like to think about or, or account for, but, you know, it's, there's, there's going to be something that happens over the course of the season. So, you know, I mean, you know, but who knows what happens if, uh, you know, Desmond Trufant goes down during the course of last year, you know? So, uh, you know, even 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 last year when the Falcons really stayed pretty healthy overall, you know, you could even point to point to Trufant's injury as perhaps being a season changing, uh, you know, event. So, uh, you know, that, something like that's going to probably going to happen at some point this year as well. And, you know, just have to roll with the punches. Yeah, I, I, I think this year is going to present possibly potentially present present some some newer challenges. I, I, I am curious. What are your thoughts on? sort of the expectations, I, I, I know I've professed this many times on this podcast, sort of the expectations that the offense is going to slip somewhat 
and it's going to be really up. This season's going to be made or broken by whether the defense can sort of uh, make that next step and, and truly come together, as they might say, and uh, see if they can sort of fill that void. But I'm also curious, do you feel pretty good about the Falcons' depth in the event that they do deal with injuries a lot more this season. I know that's been one of the thing, areas of the roster that we've talked quite a bit about this offseason, how this is the deepest team um, that the Falcons have had, you know, potentially ever in their franchise. And, you know, how comfortable are you feeling going into a year where it may potentially test that, not to, not to wish harm on any player, but injuries are, you know, an inevitability of the NFL and then, Given the Falcons' recent slate of luck, some might say you know they're due to have a few more injuries than we've grown accustomed to in recent years. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on either of those two topics? Well, I think I think as far as injuries, I think the only, I, I'm, in my opinion, the only injury that you know would happen where you'd say, okay, like let, let's look forward to 2018 would be if something were to, if Matt Ryan were to go down for for a stretch. I think you know, unlike uh, what was it? 2013 when they lost Julio for the year I think they could probably you know get there's enough there's enough pieces on offense at this point that if they you know if they lost Julio for four weeks you know I I, I certainly wouldn't say like oh okay you know we're going like 0-4 or 1-3 you know over that stretch I mean you know they, they obviously had to make do without Julio here and there before but you know at, the, you know, at this point there's so many pieces on offense that you know with with uh with the two running back like they could you know, Sarkeesian could, you know, take a day or two and just be like, okay, you know, here's what we're going to, here's our new offensive strategy for not having Julio. And there's a lot of pieces to work with there. I, I think they could, they pro- they're probably in as good a position to, to work without Julio for a few games now as they've ever been in his entire career. I, I don't think that would be a controversial statement. I think aside from Ryan, I mean, so clearly we, you know, we dealt with Trufant going down last year and, you know, obviously made, made the best of it. And, you know, all those guys are coming back, so you know. Hopefully, you know some of the some of the young guys can improve there. Um, and uh, I guess you know, obviously, if, if if Beasley got hurt, that would be uh, problematic. You know, I, I guess uh, you know the, there's still a question of whether that they'd uh, ultimately bring back uh, Freeney, which seems unlikely at this point, unless if you know maybe Tack McKinley's going to be hurt for the early part of the year. I think you've gone over that in prior podcasts. The only, I guess, the the main position group other than quarterback that I'd be concerned about injuries would be offensive line. Um, and that's, you know, I don't know who the swing tackle is right now. So if there were an injury to Matthews or Schrader and Matthews has gotten hurt, you know, before in his career, um, you know, that could, that could definitely be a problem. And also relying on likely Schweitzer. I mean, at least, you know, there's uh, you know, between Schweitzer and Garland, you feel pretty good about the top guard backup probably. And, and also, Garland could probably do fine at center. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we're kind of just like relying on the coaching staff who, uh, who apparently thinks, seems to think Schweitzer is ready, but, you know, he basically took a red shirt year last year. So, you know, we're just kind of being like, okay, they must know, they must be evaluating this guy and he must be looking good in practice and they think he's ready. But, you know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't always work out. So, um, you know, it's possible, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, one or two of the starters go, go down, you know, that, you know, and certainly, you know, in the last few years, you know, we've, we've, we've seen that happen where uh, I think it was 2014 where they lost, you know, three starting offensive linemen to injured reserve before midseason. And it was just, a, it was just, you know, totally, uh, Dirk Cutter had to totally scale back the offense. It was, it was, uh, 
you know, it was a, it was a big problem when that happened. And uh, I think, I think 2013 and 2014 both had a lot of offensive line injuries. So that, uh, you know, if I, if I'm aside from quarterback, the one, the one position group I'd be concerned about with injuries would be offensive line, just because I don't think that the depth's quite there. Okay. Um, you feel like the, the defense is going to take that step if, oh, yeah, if and when the offense, uh, um, or do you think the offense is going to take a step back? Probably just cause you know, it's, it would be, it would be, uh, pretty ridiculous for them to take a step up. Right. Cause <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, just every, everything clicked. So, you know, presumably there will be a little more, you know, there, there, there will be some degree of mean reversion. I mean, Hey, you know, if, if uh, you know, the team wants to come out guns blazing and all pissed off from uh, how the season ended and, and, and prove us wrong. Um, you know, I, I welcome that. They, they're more than welcome to do that. But I think, uh, you know, certainly reasonable to, uh, you know, expect some sort of uh, uh, reversion to the mean. I mean, but, maybe, you know, it, it could, be, could be fairly modest. I mean, you know, they, they, they have just about, you know, <laughs> in terms of like all the, all the weapons they had, the only one uh, they, they're, they're down is what Pat, well, Patrick DeMarco and, uh, and Aldrich Robinson and, you know, a few games of Jacob Tammy. You know, I mean, they're, uh, all, all the pieces are, are there, uh, you know, and uh, so, and Taylor Gabriel's got a, you know, an offseason working with the offense, which he didn't have last year. I mean, we'll see if uh, that pays dividends. So, um, so in all likelihood, the offense will take a step back, and I think it is reasonable to think the defense is going to improve because they did show uh, a ton of improvement over the course of last year. I guess the the counter argument would be, oh, well, you know, it was it was really helpful for the defense when the uh, when the team took big leads in so many games, and you know, they were kind of put in good situations. Um, so maybe, you know, if the offense takes a step back, they don't get quite that, um, they don't have quite the same number of opportunities, just kind of, you know, being able to, uh, you know, not have to worry about playing the run, uh, in the second half of the game. Um, so, but, you know, they, they depended on so many rookies and young players last year, you know, so now, you know, all those guys are more experienced, throw, throw down Terry Poe into the mix, you know, hopefully some of the guys that got, got hurt over the course of last year can, you know, come back 100%. I mean, certainly on paper and certainly with the, with the number of, uh, you know, strong defensive coaches on the, on the, on the coaching staff, uh, it's very reasonable to expect improvement. I was never a big Brian Cox fan, so I'm hopeful, you know, Brian Young um, will be a good addition. I think, you know, for whatever reason, Cox and never seemed to, you know, get the most out of Hageman. So, you know, I don't know if Brian Young have, making a change there, maybe, Maybe Hageman could uh, could live up to his potential a little more, especially now that he's in a contract year. Although, obviously, with bringing Poe on, that that'll prevent you know Hageman from getting as many snaps as maybe he he was hoping for this season. But we'll see. Okay, all good points, Steve, and it, it makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I think you know there's a lot of reason to be optimistic this year. I, I do feel like the Falcons have put themselves in a position to be able to navigate you know whatever adversity hits them. You just hope that there isn't an overabundance of adversity that sort of prevents them from, you know, having their counter punches ready and whatnot. So we'll see how the season plays out. Um, I know historically and sort of, uh, you know, teams that lose the Super Bowl tip- typically don't fare quite as well the following years. So we'll see if the Falcons can sort of, you know, do what they did last year and sort of buck the trend of history. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, is there any other things that you want to, you know, before we get out of here, Steve, is there any other things that you, you felt compelled that you wanted to ask me or, or bring up on the show or some bad take I had on a previous episode that you listened to? 
um, where you were just like, I, if I ever get an opportunity, I'll go in there and, and tell Aaron what's what. You know, I generally, I, you know, the, the reason I've, I've always really re- respected you is I think, uh, you know, I, I think, you're, you know, for the most part, I agree with most of your takes. Like, uh, the, uh, you know, I enjoyed listening to the, uh, to the Matt Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan 10th you know, the NFL top 100 doesn't matter. You know, like that was, that was my initial reaction to, I, I feel like we're both kind of like, just like, oh, all this, all this argument stuff. It's like all pointless and stupid. Like we're like, you know, cross shitty old men, like, or something, you know, <laughs> of, of, of Falcons Twitter or something. So, you know, you, you'll, you'll tweet something. I'll be like, yeah, Aaron's totally right. I'm totally on board. And, you know, the, the, the youngins like in their early twenties will like, you know, get, get all bent out of shape and out of all this stuff. And we've been like, Hey, yeah, seen, you know, been there, been there, done that, seen that. I'm not wasting my time with this stupid stuff, you know? So, uh, so no, I think, I think you're, for the most part, your takes are pretty good. Um, the, uh, you know, one thing I, I think both, uh, the AJC and, um, and, uh, uh, Dave at the Falcoholic posted something today about the, um, the Falcons cornerback depth. And, you know, like part of me is just like, like, I'm, I'm just not sure, um, you know, how that, how that depth chart's going to shake out. It just seems like, you know, three through six is kind of in flux. I don't know, you know, how many cornerbacks they're going to keep. And there's the whole, you know, question of like, you know, are guys going to, or is pool going to be cross-trained at free safety? So there's like flexibility there. So maybe they have another corner and kind of same issue with, with Casey. Um, so I don't know if you had seen, you know, uh, Dave's post, I'm sure you, you've given some thought to the cornerback depth chart, but like guys, like a guy like Olatoye played like, you know, I think well, I want to say like 30 something snaps in the, in the Super Bowl. It seemed like, you know, the, the team was getting comfortable with them towards the end of the year. It seemed like they were getting comfortable with Goodwin. But I'm like wondering if like those guys are just going to get you know lost in a numbers game at the end of the day, and you know which is too bad because it looked like you know they, they seem to show some upside, but you know I I don't know I don't know what their future is. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, and I I do think because they have a glut of good quality players there, there's a decent chance that some guys like Enola Toye or or whoever uh, could wind up getting cut and wind up landing with another team and going on being very successful, like. When Dallas cut Olatoye, there was a, a many Cowboy fans that were upset by that because they had seen in him, you know, a guy that showed potential starting potential. Like when he got the opportunity to start late in the 2015 season, I think it was, he played lights out for them. And when he got the opportunity to play, get on the field for the Falcons last year, you know, not to say that he was flawless by any means, but he, he certainly did his job. So it is one of those things where when I look at the cornerback depth, I do think he's probably the most vulnerable among the guys like Goodwin and, and Poole and, and Collins and Casey. But uh, I do think that that also sort of stands the reason that because he's also a good player that the Falcons will find some way to keep him over, you know, even if that means keeping, you know, I don't know, one less linebacker, one less defensive lineman or, or one less offensive player because they're like, well, he's too valuable, a commodity. And, uh, you know, we, we are aware of this potential future scenario where in a couple of years, Robert Alford's going to be on the wrong side of 30 and we're going to need, um, you know, someone, one of these young guys to step up. And while Jalen Collins might be the, the best bet at this current time, uh, that, that's not that's far from guaranteed. And so maybe they would want to stash a guy like Olatoye and see what they can develop in him for another year or two, as well as Goodwin. And whatnot. So, I, you know, I don't necessarily have any insights into the the cornerback depth and whatnot. I do think uh, they they will probably wind up keeping a few more bodies there than sort of 
necessarily keeping a couple of guys on at other positions groups that are essentially nothing more than bodies that they're just like, you know, like a guy like Devin Fuller who, you know, unless he wins it, the kickoff return job, I don't see a whole real point to keeping him on the roster because it's not as if he's going to get opportunities to play. But, you know, maybe Devin Fuller surprises me and, you know, looks like yeah. a young uh, Cole Magner. Or, or uh, right. I, I'm trying <laughs> to think of a, who's who's another wide receiver. Brandon Harvey is another right. one um, that sort of shined in, in preseason and whatnot. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think this is one of the – this speaks to what we talked about earlier with – sort of the positive depth that the Falcons have and having a, a number of young guys up there that even should there be injuries at some of these positions, you don't mind seeing what these guys can have if they have to sort of, you know, tread water as a starter for four to six weeks or even more this upcoming season. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, like it's it's been a long time since the Falcons had strong enough depth where, you know, they could maybe, you know, towards the end of training camp be making some calls and be like, hey, you know, you want this guy for, you know, a sixth or sixth or seventh round pick because, you know, and just kind of like maybe see if they can, you know, get get some uh, get some extra draft picks towards the end of training camp just because, you know, they know guys who are, you know, NFL caliber players just, you know, aren't going to make the squad, uh, you know, based on uh, based on a numbers game. And, you know, that way, you know, uh, rather than just them going through the waivers pool, maybe they could get uh, get a draft pick out of it. That's uh, that's I guess something to think about. Yeah, or or you know the the whole idea you know you look at the roster and you're like okay that as you mentioned the swing tackle position is sort of one of those glaring areas on the roster where they have very questionable depth and you know given Jake Matthews' injury history he's been in you know he suffered a significant injury in, in two of the last three years and um, you would like to have some solidified depth so having a play you know having a deep cornerback group and uh, that's a position where a lot of teams need. Depth. You, you saw trades for like guys like Eric Rowe uh, last summer and whatnot, and uh, you know maybe the Falcons can swing you know one of their backup cornerbacks for a, a competent offensive tackle rather than sort of waiting for trying to scrape somebody off of the, the scrap heap that probably necessarily if they got cut isn't necessarily the ideal player that you want to be a twisted ankle away from protecting Matt Ryan's blindside or something like that. So that, that, you know, I think you're right. That's a good problem to have and we'll see how it plays out. It's a, it's always an interesting experience to see which players step up during the summer and which players don't and, and sort of building that roster and, you know, seeing which guys are, are going to be those guys that you sort of stash away. Cause I, I remember when we signed Ola Toye last summer for the practice squad and people were like, who is this guy? And I was like, Oh, you know, he was really good in Dallas. Wait, wait, wait till he gets an opportunity. And then when he got his opportunity, it was like, you know, he ended up one of the few times I actually looked like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> so, well, and I mean, the other thing that ha- you mentioned, the practice squad, I mean, I feel like a lot of times, almost every year, it's like some guy has a pretty good preseason and we're like, oh, you know, he deserves to make the roster. The team cuts him. People freak out. And it's like, oh, we just gave away this guy. And then lo and behold, no one puts in a claim for him and, you know, he's back on the practice squad. You know, it seems to happen, you know, uh, it seems to happen with, you know, Bernard Reedy. I remember that, you know, we were, you know, putting him in the, in the Pro Bowl or something based on, based on minicamp. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, he doesn't make the team and, you know, practice squad. Okay. So, you know, someone like Devin Fuller, you know, if he, you know, if he has like a decent camp and looks like a capable kick returner, I mean, he was a late seventh round pick. It wouldn't surprise me if they cut him and no one puts in a claim and they, they could stash him. With the practice squad, you know, and maybe 
maybe that could be the case for some of those uh, cornerbacks, you know, at the at the end of the depth chart. I mean, you know, Ricardo Allen, you know, they were able to they were able to stash him. I mean, we'll talk about a weird uh, weird career path, uh, you know, that that he went through. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's you know, we, we I feel like you know we get obsessed with our players, you know, through the course of preseason training camps. Like, oh, you know, clearly every team is watching this tape and thinks as much of this guy as we do through our, you know, Homer tinted glasses. And, you know, sometimes, you know, get, just got to keep a little perspective, you know, not, not every, you know, fourth, fourth string uh, <laughs> player on the Falcons is like teams are salivating over. Like they really want, you know, they're, they're, they're going to open a roster spot for this guy. So yeah. uh, something to keep in mind. Definitely. Definitely. Not everybody can be Ronnie Wingo and get immediately <laughs> snatched up off, off by the Bills. Seems like the right. Bills just seem to be stealing all of our, our running backs, it seems like. They got Mike Gillisley, right. who was supposed to be on the practice squad oh, yeah, yeah. two years ago. So, you know, darn you, Bills. I, you know, whatever when it comes to running backs. but Revenge for peerless price, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. Um, Steve, is there anything else we add? You need, you feel the need to add. Uh, if if not, then you can go ahead and plug away where people can find you on Twitter. And, and if you got anything upcoming for the Falcoholic this season, well, I would say I will say that I paid attention throughout the entire CG commercial and I or, or reading that you did, and I will have to check that out because I would like to make it to my first uh, Falcons game in the new stadium this season. So I'll uh, I'll be I guess I'll be taking a look there. I told. Told my uh, told my four year old, you know, maybe we could go catch a game this year, and he was he was pretty excited about it. So uh, so we'll have to see maybe uh, maybe in November or December uh, taking a trip down there because I'd love to to check out the new stadium. That should be great. Um, the uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Steve in Brooklyn, Steve I N Brooklyn. Um, I uh, as you said, I contribute to the Thoughtaholic, so I haven't posted anything that recently, but hopefully, uh, you know, now that training camp is uh, you know, coming up in the next few weeks, you know, I'll start getting back into it, and uh, you know, I'll I'll be plugging uh, whatever whatever I post on uh, on, my, on my Twitter account, and you know, so make sure to follow the Falcoholic because it'll be coming through there. And uh, you know, I'm always uh, I'm always happy to talk Falcons to uh, to anyone. Uh, you know, even in the uh, even in the dregs of of summer when when absolutely nothing's going on, I'm more than happy to have uh, you know 45 minute conversations about the Falcons anytime. There you go. Well, it, it makes you one of many, Steve, because uh, I am one of those people as well. And uh, if anybody wants to debate, you know, fourth tight end roster position <laughs> battles, then, uh, you know, I'm always game for that. Uh, but so we'll, we'll see how that goes. And Steve, appreciate you coming on, um, sharing your thoughts and insights with us. And, uh, you know, I hope to talk to you later this season. Hopefully we won't go as long as we've done the, the, the last time before having you back on the podcast. Well, there are, you've brought on many, many excellent guests. I, I, I'm a regular listener, so, uh, you know, you know what, what you're doing is great. So, uh, yeah, whenever, you know, whenever you, uh, you know, have, are able to, to squeeze me in, I'm more than happy to, to join the podcast. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks, have, Ken. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right, guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in to that, uh, having a nice little chat with my good friend Steve, uh, a close personal friend of uh, my former co-host, Alan, and myself. And, uh, you know, check out Steve's stuff on The Falcoholic. Check him out on, on, on Twitter as well, at Steve in Brooklyn. That's I in Brooklyn. And, uh, yeah, this, you know, that was a fun little first foray into it. I, I, I figured if I talked to Steve, you know, I, I don't necessarily consider Steve to be, you know, one of the, one of you, one of you peasants, one of you commoners or anything like that. 
I'm, I'm using air quotes that you, you cannot see me use that um, tongue in cheek reference. But it is one of those things where, like, I know I do want to have talk to more of you guys and sort of just to give you guys a, a feel for what it might be like if you happen to be one of the lucky few or lucky several, hopefully. We, we got a whole month of time to fill. So uh, it should be more than, you know, a handful um, of what we might be talking about. And I'll probably stick along those same storylines. Are you over the Super Bowl? What do you think of the offseason? What are your expectations going into the season? And uh, you can fill me in on that and you can, you know, say things to, to my face that you've been dying to say for, for weeks, if not months, if not years on end. And uh, we'll keep this train a chugging, a churning, a turning, or whatever that phrase is. I'm, you know, I'm terrible at speaking. So uh, that's what's going on in the future. And we'll keep working on and building up towards training camp and uh, football will be back shorter than we think. So. That's on the horizon. If you want to get your questions answered on this show, if you have questions for me and possibly future guests, uh, you know, maybe these we won't be as an in-depth conversation with Steve um, if if we have some of these more fan talks in the future. And so maybe I'll need to to cut a knife through the awkwardness and say, hey, let's answer a Q&A question. So if you guys want to send those questions in, by all means, do so. Locked on Falcons on Facebook is a great way to do it. Locked on Falcons on Twitter. I'm at Falcons on Twitter. Just let me know it's a podcast question and not just a, what do you think about the fourth tight end battle? Um, or you can ask me what I think about the fourth tight end battle, but answer it on the podcast. That's what you can ask me. So uh, if you're... If you don't want to be limited to 140 characters, you can send an email. That's LockedOnFalcons at Mail.com. That's also a great way to let me know that you're interested in the show as opposed to any of the other avenues. And uh, what else? Oh, AudioBoom.com, FileFans.com. That's where the show is posted daily. Appreciate our sponsor, SeatGeek, for uh, sponsoring this episode again. Uh, it's been a while since I've done a SeatGeek read. I, I missed you guys. And uh, it's, it's, it's nice to... When I look at that app on my phone now, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I just get more positive feelings or, or whatever. Cause it's like, oh, that might mean there's a, you know, a little bit of money in my pocket every time I click on that app now. So we'll see how that goes. And, um, I'll probably wind up editing that out. <laughs> so that's what, that's what we, that's what, that's what, that's the podcast guys. I don't have anything else to say. That's it. I'm done. All right. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.